0: From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and First Chair brought to you this month by GEICO. Be sure to log in to snowpros.org. Click on Shop, click on Pro Offers. You'll see the cute little GEICO gecko pop-up. Click on that, and you will get a quote where you can see just how much more you could save with a special discount on your auto insurance. Thanks very much to GEICO. We're visiting this morning with Jeb Boyd. Jeb, it's always great to chat with you. Thanks very much for joining us.
1: Yeah, you bet. Always good to get together get with you.
0: And we're going to talk today, we had a really nice uh, interview with Nick Alfieri about communication skills. And to continue with that theme, uh, we want to chat with you about really making communication skills simple.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: And what is it about Ski and snowboard instruction where we really can tend to get into the jargon. Well, it's a bit of a
1: dichotomy. I mean, you've got you've got to call things what they are. You know, like any profession, you know, uh, uh, an action or a, uh, an item is called something. But, tech, you know, the, the technical term isn't really needed when you go to talk to, to the guest. What's more important when you talk to the guest is less that you know what something's called, more that you know what, what the purpose of the action is or what the, 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 the relationship that you're developing with that customer is uh, so that you can you know, develop that, that trust and that bond with one another, that you're going to be their guide to help them figure this
0: sport out. You know, communication is such a big part of my life. I've got a background in public speaking and lots of video and going over what you say, where you are when you say it, uh, the pattern in which you say things. And it's amazing how much you have to rehearse to make something come across sound unrehearsed.
1: (laughs) That is true sometimes. Unless, you know, I I, I guess I could counter that by saying unless you commit to being more of a conversationalist. Exactly. You know, and that's where I think, you know, when you can just have a conversation about something, even if it's a technical topic, you know, all of a sudden, I think you can, uh, for for most people, I think you can get a deeper understanding.
0: But the more we understand what we're doing and as we learn the jargon and, and that becomes kind of our mental image of what we're trying to describe We've really got to break that down to get it across to our students. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And and when you read the book, you're you're gonna uh, you're gonna come across technical topics, and that's where um, it, it's important. Like I say, you need to be able to to understand what something is, and to be able to identify what that thing is, and that's where the the, the technicality of the conversation comes to play. But I don't think it necessarily. Uh, for most people needs to be the way the lesson is taught out on the snow.
0: And then we also need to look at our students and understand how they like to learn because you might have someone who's more of an engineer tilt who wants to hear those (laughs) technical terms. Sure, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's knowing your information is is key. Um, But, um, and and I totally agree with you on that. And you've got to, that it's funny when I get in that situation, I struggle a little bit because I try to be more conversational with, with my teaching and coaching. Um, and you know, I, I get questioned by saying, well, what's the difference between inclination and angulation? And, you know, to me, it's less about what's the difference. It's more about what's needed in that exact situation for that student. So, um, and that's where, you know, you say it's up to each individual coach to, just be broad and be able to talk to people a little bit about things, but know what they're talking about and be able to back it up with a technical understanding.
0: Which also kind of goes towards us because, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I, the technical parts really start to intimidate me after a while. I really try to stay away from them and make things as simple and basic as possible, uh, which some students don't want to hear that.
1: Some don't, but I think a lot do. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, let's face it, they're skiing or riding. So first of all, they're recreating. So, you know, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, you know, they're, they're just looking for you to aid them along and, and to have, allow them to have more fun with you than if they were going at it themselves. You know, so, again, it's I, I think the most important thing that we can do is to read the customer and find out what do they need. And and are we versatile enough as a, an instructor or a coach to be able to, to uh, tailor what we do to be able to meet that need, or do we just roll it out the way we always do it?
0: Now, I did mention this with Nick, and I'd like to get your take on it as well. Uh, Nick was really talking about the importance of our nonverbal skills, which uh, I'm right in line with on that. But you think about we're so covered up as instructors. Um, I mean, our uniforms make us look huge and, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of those sure. non-verbals can be kind of tough. Our, our hands yeah. are, are looped into our straps sure. and we're leaning sure. on the top of the poles and, and there's yeah. that cool factor there. But
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I think what you're saying is spot on and what Nick was saying is spot on the money. You know, it's the, it's the, the, and you, the, the non-verbal. I mean, um, I had a college professor tell me one time, I don't remember a lot from college, George, but I do remember this. And he said to me, you cannot not communicate. And that was like the topic of the day there, the the week in class. And I'm like, you cannot not communicate. What, what's that mean?
0: That's such a in good history, use of a double negative.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then first of all, I had to remember what does this mean? And then second of all, I really kind of was a bit of a riddle that made me think that you cannot not communicate. And so like inflection, um, you know, hand gestures, facial gestures, all of those things that go along with what you're talking about um, can really support the message. Um, So the idea, the notion of the nonverbal really can go a long way towards that simplicity message.
0: Now, we're talking a lot about the importance of this with your classes, but I'm also thinking uh, exams because your communication skills can really show your confidence.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for an exam, your best bet is to just tell people what it is you want them to do and be prepared for someone to ask you, what would you call that? Whatever it is that you're working on. Oh, I'd call that, you know, leg steering, or I would call that... uh, you know, uh edging or you know, whatever whatever it is, but just get right down to it and relate to the individual that's standing in front of you and speak to their, you know, their needs.
0: You're listening to First Chair. First Chair brought to you this month by Geico. We're visiting with Jeb Boyd. Yeah, you, know, you know what we're talking about here, if you want to put like a wrapper a or the technical piece to what we're talking
1: about is in my mind we're talking about the cat model. You know, and, and the cat model is something that typically is pigeonhole into children's instruction but when you look at it from you know cap refers to cognitive effective and physical you know or paying attention to how people are thinking how they feel and what they're doing you know and so if you let that guide you it's not just a children's uh model it, it, it's teaching and coaching and you know paying attention to the person in front of you and how they're responding to your interactions. um, You know, that, that tells you a lot, or it tells me a lot about what I'm going to do next. Um, And and I think that, you know, we shouldn't pigeonhole a really awesome model like cap into just being a children's, uh, a, a children's concept.
0: I mean, aren't there a lot of things though about children's teaching that are very applicable to working with adults?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, let's face it, the attention span of a kid is is not there, and there's plenty of adults who, who don't have a whole lot of attention span. So you've got to have that diversity to be able to you know, speak to different types of learners um, and sometimes in the exact same lesson, let alone from day to day. You know what I mean?
0: Do you feel there are different communication skills that we use more with kids' classes than we do with groups and, uh, say, with a private lesson as well?
1: Yeah, I think you know for sure. You know, you, 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 there's less reasoning when it comes to a kid's lesson. You know, there's less of the, of the why, perhaps. Uh, whereas you get into an adult learner, they may need to understand, well, how does this fit? Why would I want to do this? You know, I don't think you're going to typically get that kind of a question in a kid's class.
0: Now, Jeb, when you're conducting a clinic, and yes, I was observing you uh, at National Academy at Snowbird, <laughs> and <laughs> you did bring in jargon because it needs to be talked about and discussed and learned, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm. really kept it fun, and you always went back to simplicity. How are you able yeah. to balance the two and bring that into a clinic?
1: You know, it's, I, I just pay attention to when I'm on the receiving end of instruction. or or coaching or, uh, learning for that matter. And, and, you know, you need to just have that balance, but you know what? The number one thing I believe that we need to do is have fun with people, you know? So yeah, people are paying you or you're, you're, you're working for a, a school and you need to deliver some content, but let's have some fun around that content and not just be so wrapped up in, you know, who knows what word and, and, and uh, who doesn't know what, what word type of thing.
0: Now, I love fun, and I want to get back to exam situations here. How can we bring fun into our exams?
1: <laughs> you know, is you ready for a real simple one that you just don't see very often is, first of all, when it's your turn to do something, smile. Just relax and have the wherewithal about yourself and say, all right, it's my turn, let's go have some fun. want to go with me? And with that mentality, that just frames what is about to happen next. And rather than people feeling the nerves of a a candidate, they can say, yeah, let's go have some fun. Let's do it. You know, so uh, that coupled with the next thing you should do is is move your group. There's just not enough of that. And, and, uh, again, I think that all falls into the simplicity category. Let's go have some fun and let's go do it right now. Come on let's go
0: <laughs> and moving your group gives you time to think about what you're going to do oh, my God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of time driving an absolute loss for what i'm going to do next and you ski 50 you know whatever you ski five cliff towers down the hill and all of a sudden you get an idea it, it happens every time
0: so jeb really important topic what are three takeaways that you'd like for listeners to have from this discussion
1: um, you know, I think these are three things that really resonate with me as a coach and, and I've had good luck with them and, and, uh, I would encourage others to give it some consideration, but, you know, number one is connect with the individual, um, you know, make them feel, or make them think that what's going on today is special, which it truly is. You know, when you think of a lesson situation, it may be your 50th lesson of the season that you've taught, but the people that you're teaching, it's their first lesson of the year maybe. And so we need to keep that in mind and be able to connect with people, and make them feel special and, and uh, be thankful that they're there to ski a ride with you. Um, you know, I think when we're working, especially with a public be simple with your explanations and your, your conversations with them and, and uh, use everyday language that they're going to understand if it's easy for them to be with you, they're going to want to be with you more often um, and then the the one the last thing that I think it's overlooked a lot is take them on an adventure. I mean let's face it, most people don't do the the skier or rider thing every day of their life. you know so it's a bit of an adventure in the first place, but let's get out there and. and lead people on an adventure that doesn't need to be scary or, or uh, intimidating or any of those things. It's just take them somewhere out of the ordinary from their everyday life. And uh, they'll remember you for it. They'll remember your resort. What a great time they had at that resort. Um, And, you know, the objective is certainly to develop some loyalty to get people to come back. So connect, be clear, be simple and take them on an adventure.
0: Jeb, it is always a pleasure visiting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. You you bet, George.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. And, and uh, it's what a great way to get information out to people.
0: Jeb Boyd joining us on First Chair. First Chair brought to you by GEICO this month. Log in to snowpros.org. Click on Pro Offers. Click on that GEICO Gecko. And that will take you to a page where you can see just how much more you could save with a special discount on your auto insurance. Thanks so much for listening to First Chair from the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.